Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe, another edition of the program. As we talk the world of poker, uh, the Las Vegas uh, poker rooms pretty much all open now. I heard the win just opened. They were the last one to really be a big one to open. And uh, as they do that, you just wonder if uh, the second wave <laughs> is maybe going to affect the poker world uh, up in the Northeast again. Uh, people don't seem to be following the rules, and uh, there's a lot of scary stuff going on. Uh, also the Midwest, where there's a lot of poker, obviously in a lot of different places, we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of, uh, COVID and, and, and the talk about the uh, deaths in the United States passing the 200,000 mark, uh, death is on my mind a lot lately. I mean, obviously we've been talking about Mike Sexton and different things, but a couple of news just came out today that Darwin Moon passed away. Darvin Remember Moon. Darvin Moon uh, finished second to Joe Cotta in the World Series of Poker, the logger with the beard of, that was wore the New Orleans Saints hat. Remember Darvin okay. Moon? Well, like they wow, say, you, you got a you, short you memory. Never, you never remember the only well, let me see the uh, second place finishers was that one guy Danneman or something. Well, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember too many second place finishers. Trust me, I, I wouldn't mind being one, but I don't remember too many of them. <laughs> I'll take a second place at any time, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it was reported by Todd Anderson, who was the uh, director of the uh, Poker Night in America, good friends with Darwin. And, uh, he couldn't he have been that away. old. He was 56. 56. Okay, well, still, that's that's a lot. That's younger than us by quite a few years, Dave. Yeah, he recently had surgery, and uh, I was thinking about you and uh, – when I uh, read about this story, but uh, the I guess uh, basically a blood clot was what caused his death one week after having surgery. He said he felt great, was ready to get back to his job. He was a logger in the uh, in Louisiana, and uh, really was just had a brief flash of fame in the world of poker. Uh, was an unknown player when he uh, when he came out of nowhere, made the final table. This was two thousand nine. And uh, he had a big hand with Billy Cop. I don't know if you remember that one. No, unfortunately, he, uh, I don't. Big dish. He uh, he picked up a big flush and had the had the hand and and took a big hand from Billy Cop, who looked like he was had a good chance to win the tournament at the time. It was just a horrible win. But he wore the New Orleans Saints cap. Uh, if you see a picture of him, you'll remember him. But. Uh, he ended up uh, getting head-to-head with Joe Cotta, and that was the year Cotta really had some tremendous luck. Uh, one with pocket threes, pocket fours, and I think yeah, even pocket hitting, deuces. Kept hitting sets up against bigger pairs. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That, part, that part I do remember, you know. so. And they but, actually had one hand that was a flip for 80% of the chips in play. Cotta had nines against Queen Jack suited. Uh, for Darwin Moon, and that was about the end of it. But uh, the funny thing is, is he said he was even before the final table that he he wasn't really planning on uh, considering a career in poker. Uh, he liked to play occasionally in home games and that sort of thing. But uh, he had lots of calls to uh, do endorsements uh, for online sites. He said he'd never played online before, and he didn't even own a computer. So he said. 
Uh, you know, I'm, I, th- I feel like I'm a man of deep principle and uh, I'm not going to endorse something that I don't really believe in. Well, good for him. And, you know, to, to his family, our, my, our condolences to his family. Rest in peace, Mr. Moon. Yeah, he was, he was uh, involved with a Heartland poker tour. Everybody okay there? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. No. That was me. I dropped, <laughs> dropped something here. So uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, he was involved with the Heartland Poker Tour and uh, really never heard much about him again. He did have a couple of small caches in some tournaments. but uh, uh, So I was thinking about that today, not to just talk about death. I know I see the look on your guys' faces. But, uh, uh, you know, when Mike Sexton – and I don't know if it's just, you know, the age we're at where a lot of people who are – Maybe when we were growing up watching a lot of TV, uh, those people are maybe 10 years older than us. And, and it's, it just comes to this time when, when we do it. But, uh, you know, I, I see a lots of, you know, obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the news and all kinds of people. And on, uh, on this episode of Poker Action Live, <laughs> Dave Lemon contemplates his own mortality. Well, I do that all the time anyway, so it's not a not a big deal for me. Anyway, uh, I'm glad that you're good, Joe. I know you've had some issues, and uh, you're in good shape now, so uh, at least hopefully. Yeah, thank, thank, thanks for putting another worry in my, <laughs> in my head. Now, Are you worried about dying? No, because, you know, no. How I've you never, feeling, Joe? I've, How's it going over there? Are you thinking yeah, you about know. dying or what? What's going on? Thank, thank anyway, anyway, I did want to mention the reason I, I want to lead into a uh, celebration of life for Mike Sexton. They're having a memorial on uh, Facebook Live tonight. You can check that out. Search uh, the Celebration of Life, Mike Sexton Memorial. And it's going to take place from 5 to 8 p.m. West Coast time, which would be 8 to 11 our time, hosted by Vegas Connected. And uh, we hope people will check that out. Uh, You have a chance to uh, send in some stories if you were friends with Mike and that sort of thing. But obviously, we're going to move on. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the WPT online just real briefly uh, that's uh, winding down here in the month of September and uh, they had a winner in the uh, in the high roller championship uh, Makita Bajakowski was the winner of that one and also the main event of the uh, tournament finished up uh, and uh I don't know. It just like I think I say this every week, but it doesn't. I think it's very hard to follow a lot of these things, especially being on party poker and being mostly European players. Yeah, well, <laughs> Dave, that's your thing, brother. I, can, I, can, I honestly, unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't float my boat in the poker world. But uh, <laughs> I know you love giving those results. So, uh, Philip Miguel, Philip Miguel won the main event, uh, World Poker Tour, won one point five million dollars. Uh, Damian Salas finished in third. He was at the final table of the World Series Poker a couple years ago. Dmitry Urbanovich uh, also was at that final table, but that's about all I can come up with, with as far as names that you're going to recognize. On this episode of Poker Action Line, <laughs> Joe Rodriguez and Joe Costello stage an intervention. Uh, well, you got any thoughts? Uh, you want to talk about some hands, some poker hands, Joe? Um, yeah, I mean, we have something. <laughs> I got a couple of things. Listen, for you guys. I, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of, of, of results to start with. And like, and as you very well mentioned, this is more of, this is more of, um, 
you know, international, you know, European, and I, I don't know who they are by their stage names, by their, uh, their names there. So um, I'd love to discuss hands in the tournaments. That, that would interest the hell out of me to see how certain players played certain hands what they played with and stuff like that. So yes, if you, you have any, I would like, you don't, you don't follow any of the stuff on Twitter, any of the uh, arguments and the talk and that sort of thing. Do you? No, I don't. I mean, listen, when, when something big happens, obviously before the pandemic and the whole poker world, I mean, you know, we know the hit that the, that, that the poker world has taken. It's trying very hard to come back. We, we, you know, we praise the WSOP online circuit you know, they got great numbers. They reached their guarantee in the main event, although they had, what was it, like 16 flights or whatever the heck it was. But and I don't care about 20, that. 23, was, actually. 23. And to me, that doesn't matter. Going in, you knew they were going to do that. The, the advantage is you get to play from your home, uh, you know, in your shorts or in your underwear or naked or whatever the hell you want to play at home, you know, uh, or, you know if you can play from home. And, and you play at your convenience. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of that. You know, I wish we were in a state. I, pro- I would have loved to have taken part in that if Florida had been part of the, you know, uh, the New Jersey, Nevada. I think those were the only two places where they streamed. I'm not sure if Delaware did it, and I don't think Pennsylvania. But, you know, I would have loved to have been able to do that, Dave, you know, yeah. and, and, and play and take your chances because – when you play these big tournaments outside of some of the ones over the years that we know that are going to attract the big name players, um, you know, regular people like myself, you know, and you love to play in these tournaments. You know, they, they always, we always, you know, champion the cause of how the WSOP this year was going to do a lot of thousand dollars. Remember the, the, the range of, of buy-ins to, you know, to, you know, make the lower people like yourselves, like myself and you, you know, people who might be able to save up a four, five, six thousand for entry fees and play in four or five different tournaments. Um, and that's what online tournaments does for you, you know, for a lot of them. I mean, right. I was at, like I said, one of the biggest scores I had early on was in a $20 entry tournament, uh, which was on uh, part, I believe it was party poker at that time. And they'd be at start at 10 o'clock every night. And I kept dreaming of going deep in that. And one time I finally did. I wound up knocking my, getting knocked out in fourth place. And, and for 20 bucks, I picked up like $4,400. First place was going to get 18000 So, you know, that's a, nice little, that's a nice little hit for 20 bucks. And right. I, got oh, yeah. knocked, I got knocked out at about, if I remember correctly, it was around close to 6.30 in the morning. And the tournament started at 10. So I, I didn't stay logged on to see how the other – three people who finished after me, what time it ended. But, you know, for 20 bucks, you get the, the adrenaline flowing, you get that poker fix, and it's wonderful. You know, unfortunately, we're still in, 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 in this state here. Uh, I'm grateful that Nevada, New Jersey, uh, you know, and some of the other states are looking at it. Their, their legislations, uh, legislators are, you know, looking to pass this. God willing, here in the state of Florida, you know, our politicians will take their heads out of their asses and allow us to do that, that there. And, um, you know, that's what I enjoy. You know, look, look, again, I'm not interested in what you're talking about as far as with these tournaments over there, naming the people over there. But look how many people are entering that. And right. it'd be wonderful if we started talking about tournaments that are held here, you know, the land based out of Nevada, out of New Jersey, Florida. 
it doesn't matter. It, it, I think I think it would definitely explode. I think it would generate a positive revenue for not only the players but for the states and the federal governments. And uh, there's just so many, you know, positives that I believe that could come out of this. And they keep hanging their head their hats on the one negative, which is the miners playing. Well, you know, guess what? You know, if you work hard enough at this, you'll be able to stop it. And if they don't think miners are playing in casinos, uh, they need to speak with Phil Ivey uh, when he used to go by a different name, <laughs> by Jerome, I believe was the name that everyone knew him by, because he was sneaking in and playing poker before he was of legal age in Atlantic City. You know, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of players that are doing that. And for me, the one other thing, because, Dave, this has been part of my life, a big part of my life, is... I played in a lot of, you know, uh, home games. You know, I'd say 80%, 85% were fun, real nice people. But I did play in some other games that, you know, I was playing hardcore at that time. And the people there were hardcore. And, you know, you were putting yourself at risk because some of the games got hit. You know, obviously, if the game gets raided, um, if you're in the industry, you get a record. You'll never be able to get licensed again. You know, so these are the extremes that people went to play poker. Thank God in the state of Florida and in a lot of parts of the country, we no longer have to do that. Although some of the rooms are still very much closed because of the pandemic. But, you know, this this is the history. I mean, we've discussed it over the 10 years here, how, you know, the, the connotation of poker is back room, you know, sleazy, you know, sleazy people. You know, we we've we've discussed the colorful uh, poker players that have that have made the game what it is today, who were the history, the, the the forefathers of of the game, and because of them, the game has because of them, the internet, Chris Moneymaker, you know, whatever generational it is, it keeps growing and getting better and better, and you know, that's the poker that I grew up loving and and enjoying, um, and now learning from the new people, you know, over the last 10, 15 years with the internet changing these young 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 poker players men and women who can multi-table uh you know which is a talent on itself to be able to concentrate uh you know and be able to play at optimum levels and 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 show an hourly plus rate when you're playing multiple tables they've taken the game to a completely different level and uh these are the things these are the things i love to celebrate so Sorry well, let me, <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, you've run a room before, and you, you were not really involved in in uh, doing anything with online poker with that room. It was it was people were concentrating on the people coming into the room. Uh, had some tournaments, maybe not a tremendous amount, but when you look at the Seminole Hard Rock, they've obviously built their reputation with some tremendous tournaments with a $10 million guaranteed tournament that got them on the map with uh, their association with the WPT. Uh, have their two major tournaments wiped out this year, the showdown back in uh, April. And then in August, uh, there was no uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. So you figure as the pandemic uh, went to its uh, high point and now people seem to be getting better, but there's always the worry about it coming back. When do you decide if you're going to embrace online poker and maybe move your tournaments online? Because right now going on at the Borgata is a, is a online series with the world poker tour and 
the Seminole Hard Rock has an association with the World Poker Tour. Why not have a huge tournament online or a series that's uh, is driven by that? Would hey, you vote hey, that at this point? Well, I'll put it this way. Uh, to answer the second part of that question first, um, you don't really want to do that because it'll piss off your locals. As a business type thing, we both know how great the Hard Rock, you know, and they getting, you know, stepping up big time into the big tournaments, guaranteeing those monies that you just mentioned, ten million, uh, running a first class, you know, poker tournament. Because so, I don't care whether you're a fan of them or not, you can't criticize, you know, much of what they've done from a poker standpoint. You know, they're 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 a hell of an organization. They've, you know, they, in my opinion, everything has been first class for the most part now if i'm a manager you understand or poker director obviously um yeah dave i would definitely want to take care take advantage of online but you need to be in a state you know you mentioned the borgata new jersey is one of the two states that allows online poker so it is a big benefit uh we've already seen prior to this year before the pandemic that they were already going to go to about 10 or 11 online tournaments before it obviously became all online. Um, you know, that was, I believe, the schedule of the WSOP. Okay. So, yeah, you're starting to gear that. And hopefully as more states open up and everything, it only allows you, I mean, think about it. Before, before you know, they closed down online poker sites, all we talked about was Chris Moneymaker getting in on a $27 satellite, you know, and and this player doing that, and and then all of a sudden other bigger tournaments that people were able to get in for, you know, pennies on the dollar, and you want to take advantage of that excitement, as uh, as as our wonderful producer there of the show always tells us, you know, get it out there, let let the people know your show is on is you know is on there. Well, you want to let people know about your room. What better than to reach the country, hold a tournament that. Somebody can win, you know, a million, two million, three million, whatever prize uh, for for winning a taking down a tournament online. Um, it, it's to me, it's just a win-win situation. It's another way to generate, uh, you know, uh, a revenue, um, and it just keeps feeding off each other because all of a sudden you win, you bring the people down, you know. Obviously, we live in a great state, Dave. You know, the weather is, you know, when, when, when in the middle of the winter, when we're, we know that people are suffering between snowstorms and, you know, sub-zero weather, you know, we're, we're complaining because it's 60 degrees here, 62 degrees, you know, and um, people would love to come down. So I honestly believe that the Hard Rock, I'm sure their upper management team has something in place if and when uh, the the situation changes and the opportunity, uh, you know, presents itself for them to do these things online. I, I just, I can't see it from my point of view. I can't see not taking advantage of that. Well, it's more of a promotional tool then, I guess, is what you're saying, as opposed to their cash games, which they really is where they make their bread and butter. Uh, you know, so they don't want to... Uh, infringe on that well uh, limited space sometimes they probably don't want to open the ballrooms for some of those bigger things but, but think about it your your bread and butter for where i work where you work you understand the ones the local rooms that run them you know you your your bread and butter is made through yes your cash games okay the hard rock is like the rio you know it's like the hotel like those big rooms out there in vegas 
you know, those big rooms run daily tournaments. And granted, it may not make as much if the tables run live, you know, cash games, you know, 24-7. But if it brings in people from out of state with their wives, with their partners, whatever, and starts generating revenue in the hotel, starts generating revenue in the restaurant, starts generating revenue at the, t- at the other table games, and anything, any other gambling aspect of the casino that's not poker, you, you, it, it's a huge plus. And the Hard Rock is the only casino down here, you know, between them here in, 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 in uh, Hollywood and in Tampa that take huge advantage of that. Their hotel fills up, you know, that's just more money and more money. They'll generate probably more money if the hotel fills up between their their own restaurants. The um, people that okay, we're not playing in the tournament, but I'm going to throw a couple of hundred in the slot machines on the blackjack, and you know, eventually, I'm sure they're going to negotiate. I mean, we both know that they've been trying to get uh, roulette and and uh, craps, but you know, once it becomes a full blown casino, uh, and they're only missing those two games. There's, there's no, there's practically no stopping them now as it is the money right. that they generate down here. Right. But once they becomes a full blown casino like that, you know, people whose wives love to play nothing but roulette, or or husbands and the woman maybe the big poker player husband loves to shoot craps. It's just, it, it, it's just nonstop, and that's what you get in in Vegas. We, we've always spoken about how some of the top pros. A uh, big leak in their games have been not poker gambling, but, you know, stepping up to the slot machine, stepping up to, you know, the table, the the, sl- the craps table, the blackjack, baccarat. You know, that's where their leak is. And casinos know this. They know that gamblers are going to gamble. And, um, you know, you're not targeting poker players at that point. You're really not. Because, you know, poker players who are true poker players and are disciplined and successful – know that they're not going to spend their hard-earned money uh, somewhere else. You know, they're not going to gamble that money away. Are true there poker are players, some. There are some. No, no, well, that's what I'm saying. But the true hardcore poker player who is who is disciplined and is successful is going to say, you know, I, I, I don't look at poker. We've discussed this here. Big thing in this country has been whether poker is a, is a game of luck or a chance or a skill. We've always we've always been advocates that it's a definite game of skill. Mm-hmm. And once and and if you believe you've got more skills than anybody else, unless you've got a gambling problem, yeah, you you'll you'll gamble a little bit just to for the entertainment and excitement purpose, but you're not gonna go and blow your winnings as we know some and I won't mention names, but we've been told some of the great poker players in the past have one poker tournaments, you know, where the prize is half a million, a million. And, you know, within an hour of collecting that money, they've lost it all back to the casino at the table games. You know, uh, yes, we do have that with a lot of poker players today. But I think a lot of the younger, more disciplined players have seen this leak in, in, in other people's games and try to plug that up. But the casino knows very well that, you know, the large majority of the people can't do that. And they will take full advantage of it. So that's why they put on these first-rate, first-class, you know, tournaments. Everything done just so beautifully that people like yourself who've gone there, Dave, to you know, interview a lot of these great poker players. You know that they they want to be there. And and you know, kudos to the Hard Rock for down here because 
you know, anytime they want to become uh, top-notch major players, which I already believe they are, you know, um, if they want to become number two next to the WSOP main event, six, seven-week tournament, I could easily see them doing that, especially between both properties, between uh, Hollywood and Tampa, yeah. and just taking full control of of the poker industry in that aspect of, you know, being a destination not only for gambling, but, you know, for every major poker uh, event outside of the WSOP. Well, we have the kind of weather that we had today with uh, some of this uh, um, humidity uh, disappearing. Uh, You know, I mean, people would have no excuse not to be here for sure. Exactly, exactly. And that's just one small aspect, believe it or not, of what makes it so wonderful to be here. Okay, let's talk a couple poker hands. We'll uh, stretch your uh, analyzation chops a little bit here. A couple of hands I want to talk about, uh, starting hands. Uh, One is, the obvious one is ace-king, and how do you play ace-king? Are you happy to see ace-king when you get dealt? People always talk (laughs) about pocket jacks as a horrible hand for them, and and maybe ace jack is not such a great hand as well. But what about pocket? What what about big slick? Uh, when you see it, uh, do you turn on the attack sign? Well, if, if I if, if we had a few more hours, I could give you my my history rundown on this. <laughs> I have I have had incredible days. Okay, and one in particular where it was back to back to back hands where I was dealt ace king. I got. Kings full of aces twice and aces full of kings the other hand. And I cleaned up. And what I'm telling you, I cleaned up, especially by the third hand, because I had someone, I believe the third hand was aces full of kings, and the flop came ace, ace, something. I let somebody else take the raise. I sloped. I didn't I didn't press my ace king, especially since I had already hit back-to-back hands with it. And they couldn't put me on ace king again on the third hand. And when the king came on the turn, the other person had raised with ace queen, thought he had me beat, and um, needless to say, I made a lot, a lot of money. No one could believe that I had won. But in the same aspect, I could sit here and tell you the stories of how I got completely crushed with ace king. Ace king is a very good hand. People, my guess is most, especially novice to you know, slightly experienced poker players, look at ace king like they're looking at aces, Dave. Yeah. And um, it, that's a big, that's a big problem. Yeah. And you got to know how to, you got to know how to, you know, play that hand. I, I used to play it very aggressive. I, from my experience, and again, maybe it's the people I was playing with and they knew me, uh, Dave, a lot of them were able to put me on an ace king. You, you understand? Yeah. Because of the way that I played the hand. Right. So... And I knew that I wanted to get some people with really weak hands out because I know I'd get somebody who had a weaker ace. You know, optimal for me playing ace-king would be that someone has an ace-jack, an ace-queen, overplays an ace-jack, ace-queen. And, and, and you know, good Lord, if you flop an ace, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be pretty much close to stacking them if they don't, if they don't get their second pair. Right. Um, but ace-king, people play, like I said, my experience – has been that so many you know novice players look at ace king and think that they've got pocket aces in a hand that can't lose and then they're shocked when someone beats them because they they had a five six suited there was two callers and you know 
They ran into a small straight when the person with the ace king flopped an ace, maybe even a king, uh, you know, got both of two pairs. Again, it's it's hard lesson that I it took me a while to learn. So I personally love seeing ace king, but I don't play it anymore. Like I'm like I'm sitting with aces or kings in my hands because, you know, at best I'm fifty fifty against any pocket pair, just about, you know. Well, let's take a look at this hand and how Jonathan Little played it. Uh, it was actually at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open last August in the $2,200 tournament. Uh, he actually, the blinds were 500 and 1,000 with 1,000 ante. And he had a, what he calls a, a tag, a tight aggressive player at his table. And they had about uh, equal stacks, basically, at that point. Uh, uh, the... Uh, player in, uh, let's see, the other player raised off the, uh, under the gun uh, to 2,500. And Jonathan had about the same, he had 50 big blinds. He looked down at the ace king, two black kings, uh, and three Where are you? to Two black kings? Or oh, I'm sorry, ace king, uh, uh, ace, king uh, uh, ace of spades, king of clubs. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, anyway, he, he raised to 9,500. So he says at that point, he says, if I know if my opponent goes all in, I can easily call and he, he would do that. But he said, cause he says, I'm not bet. I'm not three betting ace King to fold, but if you three bet ace King in a spot and fold your opponent's jam, even if they're, uh, you know, tight aggressive, you're folding way too often. And that's because you're getting pot odds. And with ace King, you're almost always going to win with 40% of the time which is what you would need given the odds in this spot. Anyway, okay. the, opponent, the opponent calls, and he feels like he's ahead in the hand. The flop is then ace of diamonds, eight of hearts, five of clubs. That's a beautiful flop for ace king. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. You so know, that's, he's, that's what I want when I'm just calling somebody's uh, – did the guy go all in on him? Is that what you said? No, the guy, the guy just, just raised? Just called. Just called. Oh, just called. Okay. Okay, so so he pairs his ace on a flop, and he says he wants to bet small, and he he does so by tossing out seven thousand. He said, "I I do want to get all my money in the pot by the river, and in order to do that, I have to bet small on both the turn and the river." Uh, my opponent should call frequently, given he has to call seven thousand to win thirty five thousand, so he needs to realize twenty uh, percent equity in the position. Um, the turn was a queen of diamonds. And he said, well, I did say I was going to bet small again. I think this card is better off checked. He said, that's because there's a good chance his opponent will bet if they either improved or picked up a draw. And even if he doesn't, I have a pot size bet to fire on the river. Plus, in, unless my opponent has me beat, chances are he's not going to call bets on both the turn and the river. So I check. My opponent does bet 9,500. And this is exactly what I wanted. Uh, he said, of course, I do lose to ace queen now or pocket queens, but I beat a lot of other hands. So I call, and in this case, the river was an eight of spades, which paired the board. So I checked. That's got to be a good card for him. My opponent jammed, and it's an unfortunate spot, but... You should re recognize what my hand looks like at this point. Given my line, it makes my hand look like a whole lot like an under pair or a queen. If my opponent thinks that, they should be bluffing frequently. That means I should be calling frequently. As ace-king near the top of my range, 
course, this is yes, making this an easy call. So he calls, uh, Jonathan calls the $9,500 bet, and he realizes that he's no good as his opponent flips over ace-queen of clubs. There you go. There you go. And that's the perfect hand. Jonathan will tell you that himself. Ace-queen against ace-king, and you both flop an ace? That's wonderful. I mean, the guy had three outs on him and wound up hitting one of them. You know, that's, it's like I, like I love to say, you know, the, the operation was a success, but the, uh, patient, the patient, died, died anyway. patient died anyway. So, you know, I don't know what else he could have done there. And obviously he didn't put his – he didn't read him enough to let the hand go that his opponent had an ace-queen. You know, I don't I, – that eight – I knew that eight was going to be, for the most part, a good card because – it wasn't going to improve his opponent, right. in my opinion. That wasn't so either. If you had him beat, that eight just makes his opponent think that hey, maybe I got him now. Uh, you know, he just ran into, you know, one of the poor situations that his partner, that his opponent, had top two. Well, I notice when I play online, a lot of times you can tell the way players play a hand that they have an ace in their hand. Uh, you know the thing that they make a big mistake in is it's not always a big kicker. So uh, if you do have a, a you know, pretty ace in a, in a big card, you know, a lot of times you can really put them to the test. Well, let me tell you something. I love when I, when I can read an opponent well enough, you know, and, and obviously they're, they, some of them think they're God's gift to poker. Others are novice players and just think they're playing it the right way. Um, and much like you say, you know, you see a certain player not do a whole lot, and then all of a sudden, either three bet or four bet a pot. It's very easy to put them on at least one ace. <laughs> you know, right. they may have pocket aces depending on how much of their stack they're willing to rager. But if they, you know, if they re raise somebody who's already you know three bet into the pot, and they four bet it, like you said, pretty common. You could put them on either a medium to high pocket pair or an ace queen ace king let me tell you you know we talked about playing an ace king overplaying it or underplaying it too many people play and i'm i wish i could attribute the uh, great poker player that i read this from might have been letterer many years ago but i used to look at an ace jack suited you know big dave and think hey this is a hell of a hand to get somebody with you know or, or ace queen unsuited and and he just mentioned, you know, this is a hand that's just going to take a lot of your freaking chips. Yeah. And because of the mentality. And, you know, I always kept that in the back of my mind once I read that. And I kept seeing how other people played themselves out of that money. Yeah. This was a perfect scenario for that to occur. Jonathan Little had the guy set up absolutely beautifully, you know, but unfortunately his opponent caught caught his three outer on the turn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to take a break in the show, but I do want to mention that uh, people can reach us by sending an email to uh, lemondave at yahoo.com. That's lemon with two M's, L-E-M-M-O-N-D-A-V-E at yahoo.com. Uh, I did get a, I have been getting a few responses and someone wanted to hear about playing small pocket pairs. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, in a hand, I looked around for a, for an instance and, and found a hand to talk about that. Uh, so think about that a little bit. Uh, we do want you to, uh, you know, send us information. Uh, give us your email address so that we can contact you. We're planning on having a big tournament in the next month or so. And uh, we need your information if you want to be invited to the event. 
going to be a real nice prize. We did have one of these a couple of years ago, uh, but I think it's going to be a little more attractive this time as far as prizes go. So be sure and uh, send us a note. Let us know about guests that you'd like to see, topics you'd like to talk about, and that sort of thing. It's lemondave at yahoo.com, so check that out. Let's take a break here on the program. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Poker Action Line, stick with us. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. the show big dave lemon joe rodriguez here in poker action line uh one brief story i wanted to mention uh uh regarding the uh, coronavirus is one of the uh, well-known poker players uh acquired uh you know the the disease while he was playing online in mexico he had gone down for the for the w coop to uh, play in tournaments down there and it's uh, sean deeb who uh, a lot of people are familiar with 
And he got the uh, in a pretty good bad case of coronavirus down there. The interesting thing is that he couldn't really get home. He couldn't leave the hotel. He was quarantined. He didn't want to give it to his family. He just had a had a baby maybe about six months, six or eight months ago, something like that. Uh, So he contracted it and the symptoms, he says, really hit him hard. So what does he do? He plays, continues to play the WQ from his hotel bed. <laughs> and did he win a, did he win one of the tournaments? I think he did. Let me see. Uh He actually lives in New York. Um uh, Was that Sean Deeb? Wasn't that the one that Mike Madison got real upset about cuz he thought yes, he rolled them? Yes, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> he said he actually had some problems getting in on his uh, phone line because uh they said he wasn't in the right jurisdiction to play, but he says, uh, his great quote on Twitter was, you're not really a W-coop grinder if you're not one-handed, 10-tabling on a touchpad in a Mexican hospital with COVID. There you go. <laughs> He's just making my point on how talented these young people are playing poker today, having learned it online. Yeah, exactly. So, he doesn't say whether he won the tournament or anything, but... Uh, uh, still, you know what that is to have COVID and, and suffering from those things and still have the... Uh, presence of mind to be able to play and, and and strategize and do all this stuff that has to go on to play, you know, top-notch poker. That's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's get to this other hand I was going to talk about. So this is, and has a little different outcome uh, than you might expect right off the top, but it's an article by Tristan Wade. Let's take a look at it. Uh, he said it actually comes from a home game uh, with uh, 500 and $1,000 blinds. Um, big blind ante of a thousand, and the, one of the players in middle position raised on the hand to twenty two hundred. Uh, all the action folded to him on the button, and Tristan looked down and had pocket fours. So he called. The flop came ten of diamonds, two of clubs, three of spades. The initial raiser checked. Uh, Tristan bet twenty five hundred, and he called. So now an ace of hearts lands on the turn. Okay. Uh, and it hand goes check, check. River is a five of clubs. Oh, beautiful card. Yeah. So he said his opponent bet 4,400, which really has to make him even happier. Uh, he raised enough to put them all in, and the, the player actually folded. So he says, uh, this hand seems fairly standard. He said, I've made the straight, which I guess can be considered the nuts, since it's highly unlikely my opponent could have 6-4. But if we look at the hand in depth, the play on the flop is what's most interesting and telling. He said, the opponent raises fleet pre-flop and checks a 10-2-3 rainbow board. It's unlikely he hit the flop or holds a valuable hand. There's a chance he checked a pairs like fives or nines, a smaller chance he Check the small pair like jacks are better. He goes, I like betting in our spot because there's only one over card to our pair. We can protect our hand if we think we have the best of it, and we can take control of the betting going into the turn. Uh, the ace in the turn is a card that hits his opponent's range better than it does mine. Hands such as ace, king, or ace, queen might check call the flop. There's a chance that some over cards such as queen, jack suited or king, queen suited would just call the flop to hit a good turn card. Uh, luckily for us, the player checked the turn since we took control of betting on the flop. No need to 
bet the turn is a bluff since the turn favors our opponent. We can still keep the hands in his range, and we also have this straight draw. Uh, on the river, we make a straight, and uh, our adversary bets. He could have been betting the river as a bluff or thinking his hand is good since we checked the turn, but it's unlikely we would check the turn. It's unlikely we would check the turn if we had a strong hand. Best bet for us on the river is all in. This way we can win the max or apply the most pressure if we were bluffing. On a scary board like a four-liner, our opponent might not believe we have a four in our hand and could hero call with an ace. Playing pocket small pairs is difficult, but if we're able to play in position and gauge where we stand, we can comfortably enter pots with these marginal holdings. You need to be cautious, but you also realize how the value of your hand changes with every community card that comes. So what do you think? Well, he didn't do anything wrong in that hand. I mean, that, was, that played out beautifully for him. Uh, when you said he had a small pocket pair, I, I thought – that ace, he couldn't have liked that ace. And right. his opponent easily could have said, hey, I checked the flop. He came out betting it. Now I'm going to check the turn, see if he'll bet it. His opponent checked back to him, which is exactly what happened. Check, check. And guess what? You know, you're praying now. Obviously, he caught – because I think if he catches the five or the four, he's a winner. But the five is perfect because I can't imagine your opponent is going to put you on any kind of a four. You know, whether it's a pocket four or just four with a four X, you know, um, if your opponent had an ace, he probably would have called the bet um, again without knowing the opponent who's playing against him. You know, uh, if he is he capable at firing in the bluff, he got his opponent to bet. I believe you said forty four hundred on the river, right? Right. And, uh, you know, he came back, raised and obviously his opponent had nothing. You know, his opponent, I think if his opponent had an ace or or hit two pairs or even slow played a set on the flop, maybe had hit a set of tens, um, there would have been a lot more action. That right. definitely, that definitely would have, you know, if I had hit a set, a set of tens and, okay, now I check, my opponent bets, I check that ace, hoping that my opponent called my, my pre-flop raise with an ace and, a, you know, any other card. And it was check, check. You know, if his opponent had a set, I think he would have put in, he would have, he would have uh, stacked him. He definitely would have stacked him. So, um, you know, he, he played it beautifully, got the perfect cards. So, you know, as far as that's concerned, you know, Tristan played that. I, I wish I could play him all like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other hand I want to take a look at is uh, comes from Chad Holloway, and uh, some of the interesting thoughts behind it are as you're as you're trying to improve in poker. He says that uh, you do need to dissect hands you played, especially ones you lost because you made an error. Um, not everyone can set aside their ego or their pride to admit they they completely butchered a hand, but. He said, I felt like it was a great learning experience, and that's uh, some of the things he always takes a look at. He said, at one point in poker, I would, if I won a hand, it was because I played well. If I lost, it must have meant that I just got unlucky. But oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's amazing. I understand that. I, I honestly believe until I started to analyze my bad play, because it was like you just mentioned, he says, if not, you think it's just bad luck. You know, you don't realize that you put yourself in a position for bad luck. Um, 
And until you start analyzing it, and what I used to always do was, you know, bounce hands that I thought I misplayed or or didn't play aggressive enough, whatever, however I misplayed the hand, Dave, I always had people that I've trusted their abilities and their opinions and comments that I would, you know, bounce situations off. And, you know, you know that I have a memory for remembering each detail of the hand. So I wouldn't right. skip, I wouldn't skip anything to make sure that they, 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 they're looking at that hand visually the way I saw it when I was playing it. And until I started to realize, damn Joe, you know, you're just making stupid mistake after stupid mistake. And if you want to continue to do this, you're going to have to change your game and you're going to have to start learning more things and, and learning to recognize, uh, you know, that you're making these mistakes. Right. He says, you know, you just can't chalk everything up to variance. He said, everybody does make mistakes. And, and the whole point is learning from them. Yeah. I mean, think about it, Dave. And, and, Going once again back real quick to saying, you know, the operation was success, but the patient died. Sometimes you have to sit there and go, could I have done something differently that my opponent would not have made that, that uh, you know, the turn call to hit me, you know, to beat me on the river? Did I do something wrong that I gave him a free card or a very cheap card that allowed him to be priced into making a call? These are the things you know, if you did everything perfect and your opponent just got it, sometimes you just got to tip your hat and say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to, I want this guy putting in that money, his chips in the center of that pot every single time under, under optimum, you know, conditions for, for the way that, you know, you put him on the right hand, you got him to make the right play. What, where you get upset about Dave is when, you know, you've got somebody completely dominated and you don't put in, enough of a bet that you put him to the test. Right. And, and even if he hits his one or two outer, you know, you, you'd say, Hey, nice hand, great call. You know, it was a terrible call, but if you let him get there for practically nothing, that's when you're upset with yourself. Otherwise then you get upset with the player and you start going, this guy should never have made that call. And again, if you start maturing as a poker player, you eventually start to say, Stop bitching and moaning because this is exactly what I would have wanted him to do. And, uh, you know, can't you can't at that point put, uh, play the results of how everything turned out. And that's the problem. You know, that's the thing that a lot of poker players don't understand. You know, they get upset and they don't understand that they are getting upset with somebody hitting a two and three outer where if you play these hands over the course of time, you're going to win 95 96, 97% of the time. So, Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about this hand where Chad says he felt like he learned something. Uh, he was uh, had about 20 big blinds left in his stack. At, the, at this point, uh, he had um, ace-jack of spades. And uh, there was another player at the table that had raised to 3,500 from middle position, and he said he just called from the small blind. Okay. Now, this is a tournament or cash game? This is a tournament. Okay. 20 uh, big from blinds. the Mid-States okay. Poker Tour, as a matter of fact. Um, he said, I could have easily jammed here and likely picked up the pot, but instead I called and watched the flop come down. Ten of hearts, ten of – I'm sorry, nine of hearts, ten of diamonds, queen of spades. So rainbow, but all of a sudden he has an up straight draw. Needs a, yes. 
needs a king for the nuts. Um, so uh, the other player continued on the next uh, card for 4,500. Uh, another opportunity for me to move all in and take down the pot, but again, I just called. At the time, I was hoping to make a straight and then check shove the turn. So that's ex- he said that's exactly what happened as the eight of clubs came out. So now he has the straight, but of course, the idiot end of the straight. Yeah. Uh, so he the other player bet 9,000. I check raised all in, and he snap called me. Jack King. Jack King of Clubs, exactly. exactly <laughs> so right. as he snap called, I could tell you exactly what he had. He said, I needed a king on the river to stay alive, but failed to find one as uh, the three of hearts uh, bricked the board. Yeah. He said, now, when I think back on it, it wasn't just a case of bad luck. I realized bad I, sh- play. I should have shoved all in preflop, given my shorter stack and his reputation as being a solid player capable of stealing blinds. In- instead, I took a weak line of play, just called out of position with a short step, and after the flop, the hand basically played itself. He said the whole lesson was don't let it get that far. Yeah, well, but, uh, and again, I love when you're, you know, in retrospect, when you're looking at, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks, as we say, um, he could have taken the pot down right then and there if he knows his opponent's going to release it. If his opponent did release it, he had him really dominated Jack King to uh, to ace Jack. Um, my problem there is so much as him shoving when it's when an open jack gets you there your opponent can only call you if he's got the jack or the jack king there there's no other call there so you know that's where more of the mistake is made he decided to let the pot play out because he thought he could outplay and get more chips from his opponent you can't get upset that you allowed somebody to get in there and they hit their hand so if you're going to constantly push people out of every pot People are going to wait until they get aces against you and and wait for you to, to, to push all in. So, you know, this was like a perfect storm for him. His opponent hit hit a hand that he couldn't put him on. Um, and then to make matters worse, he caught the he caught the bad end of the straight. Right. He caught the bad end of the straight, you know, um, because this would have been completely reversed if the king had come out. You know, he would have gotten his opponent now would have been upset that a jack could tie him and try to make the move, and instead he would have had the ace-jack. So, you know, again, yes, you look at situations and go, could I have prevented this? Yeah, you could have obviously pushed all in, put your opponent to the test. Um, I don't remember how much was in the pot, you know, and um, without knowing who he was playing, and whether this guy was capable of laying down that hand if he pushed all in, you know, uh, I just have to take his word for it that he would have he would have taken the pot down right then and there. Right. Okay. Interesting hands, and uh, you can always learn something. Obviously, uh, let's finish up with just a quick note about the Mike Postel situation. Uh, you know, oh, we got more news on that. <laughs> yeah, it keeps coming up. Basically, they had a settlement. We know we talked about that. Uh, the lawyer for uh, the plaintiffs uh, actually uh, said that uh, uh, signed a statement that said there was no evidence to prove that Postel was cheating or that the tournament director, Justin Caritas, was involved. So 
you know, that could have been the end of it. Basically people, uh, you know, move on and something else happens. But, uh, this, this, uh, guy from the stones gambling hall, the poker director wanted to rub it in, went on online and basically, uh, released a four page statement online, blasting his accusers and reasserting his innocence. Wasn't a lot of talk about what, what happened with Postel, but, uh, Caritas tweeted, uh, to date, I've seen no hard evidence of Mike Postel's guilt, only speculation, fake data, and confirmation bias. He says, if there is actual proof, show me. I will change sides and apologize. He said, if Mike cheated, F him. If he didn't, F all of you. <laughs> so a lot of people that were moving on, uh, the actual girl who uh, brought it up in the first place never didn't sign as the uh, accepting the settlement. So okay. she said she's still she's not bound by anything, and she can go ahead and say whatever she wants. But uh, a couple of big stars have gotten involved, including Phil Galfond. Uh, you know, he said it really irritated him that this guy would respond to his so-called legal victory by taunting the victims. So he's creating a spreadsheet. He's going in to study all these hands and come up with uh, either proof or lack thereof for himself. So uh, going through hundreds of hands that are all available online, uh, I I don't know. Can you can you tell if someone is cheating? Dave, Dave, like I said, the one hand that they found there, and again, having not watched the broadcast, maybe if I had been there watching him for the longest time and seeing how this thing occurred, um, short of seeing him fold aces in a situation where no one else in the world would fold a certain hand, right. you understand? That, to me, would be somebody's obviously in his ear and, in his, you know, and telling him what the hell to do. Some of these were marginal, I would imagine. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't know what, what was the settlement again, Dave? What was the settlement? Well, there really was, they didn't release any numbers. So, okay. So, but there was no criminal charges bought for cheating or anything. To me, the biggest thing here, and it sucks for these poor players, because I know I'd be pissed off as, as, as all hell if I was one of the players that got taken down by, by Mike Postel. But I don't know how much due pressure they put on the, you know, on the staff, on the people who were feeding him that information, because that's that's where you needed to go after. That's where you really needed to go after, because uh, without seeing that he folded, you know, second nut flush, you know, on a on a river where no one's putting you on that hand because someone tells you, hey, somebody's got the ace high flush, you've got the king, or you've got the jack high, they got the queen, and the ace king are out there, you know. Outside of hands like this, that you go, how could he fold that hand? You know, on a hero call in a tournament, once in a blue moon, you see somebody go, I have believe you've got the ace. Negrano's done that. You know, we've seen him do that over the years, you know, and some of the other top flight poker players. But to consistently do that, you know something is up. But without getting the, the, the television crew, the, the technical crew, Whoever, whoever was able to read those hands and give him a feedback that ha- somehow he got, which is amazing in today's day and age in these casinos that they can't get these signals, that they can't figure out something wasn't right here. Um, it's going to be very hard. I mean, you know, Phil could do this and, and for his own satisfaction, 
just like me. Sometimes I've known people have been cheating. I, I trust me, Dave. I've known it. I've told them. Um, I haven't come out to the point where I could be held liable for calling them cheaters, but I know it. And on other cases where I knew I couldn't say anything to them, I told the other people around them, listen, in my belief, this person is cheating. I wouldn't play with them. Eventually, on some of these people, I have been you know, proven correct. I, I guarantee you I was correct on just about every single one of them. Um, but some of them got caught in games, others you know, in, out of state. I know one particular person who's in jail right now, so in California, you know, if you're a poker player, you see these things, you see the anomalies going on. And, and if you're a sharp poker player, even if it doesn't hit you right at the beginning, sooner or later, some, some, some alarm is going to go off in your head. You go, you know, something isn't right. And maybe that's what they're looking for. Um, but, you know, that, that's a lot of work to study all those hands and see the hands that he let go. Yeah. Our hands that he pushed, you know. So, uh, I hope I hope they come to their own satisfaction. This guy was just being a jerk and needling the uh, the people, like you know, probably saying, "I know no one's ever going to talk about this, so I'm going to you know f you to everybody who busted my 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 chops and threatened me." But again, top poker players will eventually pick up these people, and top staff, you know, poker staff yeah. will pick this up. And I'm telling you, Dave. I would say 85 to 90% of poker players that get caught cheating are usually caught by the players at the table who then alert the staff and then cameras are put on them. And, you know, now, now, now you've got, now you've got all the, the eye in the sky on top of you. Eventually they'll catch you doing whatever you're doing. Right. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I did see one note uh, that uh, the Rio is has not reopened their poker room. That's uh, kind of surprising to me. There's lots of ones that that have been uh, been set. So uh, you know they have not opened, but we'll see what happens. Uh, South Florida coming back. People uh, going back to school. Are we going to have some more poker rooms open? Uh, <laughs> Nothing I new, huh? Noticed, I remember we were discussing a lot of the rooms that were really big have come back either very slow or not at all down here in South Florida. I don't know if it's a restriction. I know that there's a couple of rooms that have already gone back to seven, t- seven-handed uh, table. But like you said, Dave, until until those numbers for COVID look like there's nothing wrong, I don't see poker in a lot of areas coming back to what we had for probably a good year or more. Yeah, it's going to take a while, no question. Uh, be sure and drop us a line, lemondave at yahoo.com. Check us out on anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify or SoundCloud. Uh, Subscribe to the show. uh, Respond to uh, what you think of it and give us a rating on there. We appreciate it if you can do that. Uh, Still some uh, big stuff coming up this fall. We'll be talking with uh, some other people and uh, lining up some more guests for you. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of local people and just to get their thoughts on how they're getting through this whole time. It's uh, not easy for any of us. Yep. That's going to do it. Joe, thank you for your time. Uh, Joe Costello, thank you for uh, your technical work on the show and getting us on. And we will be back with another show next week. Poker Action Line. Check us out. And uh, always uh, love to hear from you. Big Dave Lemon saying so long till next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 